Welcome to Growing Places, a podcast about all things economic development right here in the Sioux Metro. Growing Places is brought to you by the Sioux Metro Growth Alliance and our supporters. Welcome back to Growing Places, your regional roundup sharing the stories of economic development in the Sioux Metro. I'm Miranda Basie, and today we're celebrating some big things for economic development in the state of South Dakota. Joining me today is a familiar face and voice for a little bit longer, our very own Jesse Fonkertz. Hello, podcast world. Are you going to miss being in this room, in this studio, recording this podcast? I am. For those of you that have not visited our office, our podcast studio for about a year and a half doubled as a storage room. One of my final acts as the president was cleaning out this entire podcast studio slash office and moving all the junk into a hallway in very nice organized space. So now we can actually come into this podcast studio and it actually feels like a real podcast place and we can breathe versus being six <laughs> inches from each other. So I am going to miss it. I wish we would have done this right away. I know. And I haven't, uh, we haven't recorded a podcast since you cleaned that out. So I'm curious if, you know, all that storage stuff was helping our audio. <laughs> it might have been because there's a lot of bags and cardboard and soft stuff that was absorbing the sound. But I suppose the listeners will tell us if it sounds like poo. I like it. Well, hopefully the conversation is uh, of quality yes. that it, uh, that maybe the audio isn't as big a deal. Yeah. So we haven't formally addressed it, but most of the folks know. Um, we, we've had the privilege to celebrate you a couple times so far yeah, this calendar year. It's been fun. Notably with the Excellence in Economic Development Award. And then most recently, the announcement of your next new role. And most of us maybe have some vague ideas of what it all means, but you let us know. What, what is it you're walking into? That's a great question. And thank you for, thank you for honoring me. I appreciate it. Uh, so starting next week, I'll be joining the South Dakota Governor's Office of Economic Development as the Deputy Commissioner. Uh, what that all entails will be decided as we go, I'm sure, but I will be helping to execute the, uh, the GUED's plan of work for the state of South Dakota and working with our stakeholders across our fantastic state to uh, ensure that our state is the best place to live, work, and raise a family. What's kind of cool about that, I think, is, you know, even in just the short time that I've been here, the relationships that you've developed with the governor's office of economic development and all the partners that the governor's office has. So, you know, putting that SMGA hat on for a minute, talk about the different partnerships that really help make the governor's plan for economic development in the state a, a success or a reality. So... From a Sumetro standpoint, you know, we are a regional economic development organization or association, and uh, our members depend on us to help them uh, attract both talent and projects to their communities and regions. And to do that, it requires us to work very closely with the folks that are tasked with our state's growth, which would be the GUED. And uh, they have several different departments. They have uh, business development. They have... Um, partner relations, business analytics, finance, marketing, and I th think that's, is that five? Yeah, that's it. I'm still learning because I haven't started the job yet technically. Uh, the ones that we work with the most would be on the business development and partner relations side. And so when there is a prospect looking at South Dakota, they will 
typically call the governor's office of economic development and ask if there are any sites that might fit their needs across the state. And so what will typically happen is that a RFI or request for information will go out to all the different economic development organizations uh, with the minimum criteria that this prospect is looking for. So our job at SMGA is to talk amongst ourselves and our partners to see if any of our communities want to submit for that prospect. And so that requires us on our side to have a very thorough understanding of the different uh, sites that could be a good fit across our region, but also a very good working relationship with the governor's office and our members as well. And so in that process, if the prospect selects a site in our region, there'll be uh, the opportunity for them to apply for a number of different programs the GED has to offer to help ensure that the prospect chooses South Dakota over, say, another state. And that is the fun part, really. I mean, once you get past, I mean, there's dating, there's engagement, <laughs> and uh, South Dakota is a marriage state, right? Our, um, our economy here is strong. Our incentives are based on the fact that we are a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Uh, what does that mean? Well, it means we have no income tax. We have very, very uh, low tax environment. Uh, and on the prospect side, that means there's very, there's very great things about doing business in our state long term. And while other states might throw a bunch of stuff in the first five years, that stuff goes away. And those taxes come right back on. In South Dakota, we have a property tax abatement uh, typically controlled by the counties or the cities. And after that, that's about it. So what you see is what you get, which helps ensure that prospects, if they're strong to start with, remain strong in our state. Are you so, sure that this wasn't, you know, like, did you pre-prep this? I didn't even give you my list of questions ahead. No, no, okay, okay. I, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I probably have access to your server, but I didn't look. <laughs> okay. Well, even if you did, you know, I, I wrote them this, right this morning before we recorded. That's how so. we do things here. <laughs> And it works out pretty well yeah. for us. Well, you know, the reason that I say that or the reason that, you know, I joke about it um, is because, like, you know your stuff and you're passionate about it. You know, our, our listeners can't see your face, but you, like, your eyes are wide and you're, like, leaned in and you're, like. Let's go. Yeah. Let's I don't go. Know. <laughs> I was like, you got to say it louder. Yeah. So you uh, were going to continue on what you were sharing. Sure. Economic development is the perfect marriage between business and government or politics, right? It's the two working in conjunction to ensure that um, we all win. You typically hear economic development phrased as public-private partnerships. That can be economic development. But it's really both working in conjunction to raise the tide. That's the way I see economic development. And as a guy that uh, enjoys both business and government or politics, uh, this sector I really thrive in. And as an individual that was raised in a family uh, with an emphasis put on service, this to me is how I can serve, how I can dedicate my talents to my neighbors to make sure that they have the best possible quality of life that we can offer in our country. And so that's the way I see it every day. It's a, it's a calling. I love that. So speaking of families, speaking of service, one of the, I think, maybe the most important life update that we haven't even talked about yet is your growing family. Yeah. Uh, we, have a, we have a challenge in our state 
where there are more <laughs> jobs than people able to fill them. And we all have a duty to attract people to our state and to invite them to come in and help fill these jobs to ensure that our economy grows. Uh, I went a step further, and we're trying to we're trying to do that organically. <laughs> and uh, we are expecting our second kiddo here in December. And uh, we hope to have uh, a larger family as far as large is concerned in 2023, which would be three or four. I've not 12, not like my mother, <laughs> who had uh, 11 other siblings. Oh, but, goodness. Yeah. We're, uh, we're due in December. We don't know what we're having yet. We're, we're on Team Surprise for the first one and now for the second one as well. And uh, it's such a blessing to invite uh, a life into this world and raise it and um, hopefully give it the same values that uh, we were given by our parents. So you say Team Surprise. Do you have any guesses? Like, are you pretty sure it's one way or the other? My wife and I are convinced that it's a girl. Okay. And I like being a girl dad. I've also told her several times that I need at least one or two sons to keep the name, the last name going. <laughs> and if, you know, if my daughters can convince their future spouses to take their names, I'm happy with that too. Um, equal opportunity offender here. Uh, but I think we're, we're feeling a girl. Okay. We're feeling a girl. Okay. Yeah. Now, do I care what we have? Yes. I want our kid to be <laughs> healthy and happy. That's it. I like it. I like it. And how is Kelsey feeling? Pretty excited. She's, yeah, really Good. excited. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's tough to be pregnant in August. As uh-huh. we're recording this, it's August the 24th, and uh, it's supposed to be 100 degrees today. I did see in the forecast last night that it's supposed to rain now on Friday. Okay. Or Saturday morning, which it wasn't uh, An answer before. to Kelsey's prayers. Answer to all our <laughs> prayers and all pregnant ladies' prayers out there because uh, it's, I don't think it's fun being pregnant in 100-degree weather in South Dakota. Yeah. Especially when it's followed 40 days later by, you know, freezing, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'm sure yep. we'll have our first frost in about 40 days, maybe 45 days. You know, I'm just before that. I'm just looking forward to you know um, dove hunting opens up yeah. here the first of September. That's usually when start to get the dogs out a little bit, yeah. and then a few weeks later, duck hunting opens. So you duck it hunter? doesn't. Yeah, you just take my dog out. She loves. She's a water dog. I love that. Well, if I find myself in the yeah. Hartford area, I'll you call should. you up. Yeah, call me. I'll just watch because I'm just... useless <laughs> when it comes to ducks and geese. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, hey, speaking of Hartford, speaking yep. of your family, yep. you know, when we think about your career, when we look yep. at the kind of the progression of your career, what what I noticed, what was interesting to me is that you, in effect, just continued to expand your reach, right? So, mm-hmm. I know, you know, I know that there were exposures before mm-hmm. your role in Hartford, but in Hartford, you were really focused on one community or the area around a right. community. Here at Symmetric Growth Alliance, we're expanding to the region and yep. under your direction, our reach as a regional organization grew and then now you take a step to serve the entire state Mm -hmm. walk us through maybe some of the key differences or things that you've noticed that maybe aren't um you know i don't want to say that maybe your experience doesn't continue to serve you but maybe what are what are some of those like hurdles or learning curves as you continue to expand the territory of which you're serving wow uh that's this could be a a series of podcasts about the lessons I've learned and often learned the hard way because it's apparently the only way I learn. <laughs> You're in good company. I can relate. Yeah. Uh, well, a few that come to mind here as we as I, as I ponder your, your query. Uh, one, the issues that a community faces, at least in this day and age and in this state and probably this part of the country, are for the most part very similar. They're just scaled up a little bit differently. 
and the people that might be able to affect them are just a little bit different. And so when you understand that the problems are all very similar and that the solutions can be very similar, the only thing to really figure out is how to maneuver the folks that have the ability to make change. And what does that mean? Well, it means working with people and helping them understand what could or couldn't be, but also empowering them to make the decisions by giving them the tools and the knowledge to fix a solution. And that, to me, kind of summarizes my experience. I was, so I started in Hartford. I was 24 years old. I was the director of the chamber and the development corporation there. Spent nearly four years there. And a lot of things that we started in that time period are now just coming to completion or fruition. I and mean, that's, that's, that's seven years ago. Wow. Uh, it takes that much time for things to really happen. Uh, one, one cool moment, we were, uh, we were in Hartford yesterday at uh, Black Tie Components, which is a, uh, a components, oh, how do you, they, they build, they build tr- engineer trusses. And uh, great people, Varynx, uh, two brothers and another third partner that, are, that built this thing. They built it on 18 or 20 acres in the industrial park that was started by uh, a group 10, 12 years ago. And my role was to help with a rezone for that land and a grading and getting sewer up there. And since that happened, uh, the next folks that took over after me were able to you know, close a deal. So 10, 12 years of different administrations and different people working together, um, for the most part anyways, in a common goal of growing a tax base and uh, creating jobs. So uh, that's the second lesson. It just takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It takes patience, but also takes a lot of strategy. And when we consult um, with our partners and and help advise them on what they can do to be competitive, we say your job is to eliminate as many obstacles as possible from the development process, Uh, especially if if it's a competitive site selection process. There is no such thing as a perfect site. There's only the least imperfect site. And so your job is to be that least imperfect site so that you win, if that's what you want anyways. We always say that at the end. We say, well, we can give you all the tools. (laughs) It's just if you want them or not, it's your choice. Yeah. And so uh, as a young guy, still a young guy, I I like to think, um, patience is tough because you want things to happen. And for me, I feel called to do this work and I don't always get it right I don't always do it right but I, I find ways to at least fix or rectify any challenges that have been created through my actions and that to me uh, allows me to grow and that attitude allows me to grow as well because if I if I wake up every morning and think I have all the solutions what's the point yeah game over I mean that's it that's yeah. called retirement <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. I don't know. Maybe your golf swing gets better in retirement. Oh, you gosh. can still grow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not even get into that. Sorry. Source object. Source object is right. <laughs> so there's a lot that goes into economic development projects coming to fruition. And you, you, know, you just talked around that on a high level. One of the things that stood out to me as you were talking through that I'd be curious in maybe j- diving a little bit deeper is the time that it takes and you have the different individuals, the different players in that, that, in, that sometimes cycle out yeah. when we think about municipal governments or we think about the people in that mm-hmm. role. What does, 
how how do you continue to move a project forward that you're not going to reap the rewards for you know 10 12 15 years when you have that kind of change what are maybe some key things that our folks can pay attention to to try to make sure those things still come to fruition in the mix of of leadership change well first i want to say that the last i would say 9 months have been really slow from the prospecting standpoint which, looking at your tenure here, they like, overlap. So I'm not saying they're not related. I don't think. I, I I'm, I'm nervous now I that not. I don't know. I don't think they're related. And they're definitely <laughs> not related. Uh, I think it has to do more with macroeconomic uh, happenings across the country. But, but also, I'm, I'm saddened by that because, you know, you haven't seen us at 100% capacity time-wise. And so we've had a lot of, I would say, a lot of extra time to, to strategize about the future growth of the organization, which mm-hmm. has been good, and, and challenge ourselves to uh, be better for when the next round of busyness comes. But regional economic development, especially when there are 16 municipalities and four counties involved, is a constant dance with new partners because in our state – in many states in our country, we have these things called elections. <laughs> and most municipalities, it's every two or four years. And that typically means new city councilors or board, town board members or mayors or city administrators that are appointed or move around. But also, that's just the government side. There's the nonprofit side in each town. There's a nonprofit board. And those, those folks cycle out typically every three to six years. And then there's directors of those boards that, t- that cycle out every four to six years as well. So it's a lot of change. It's constant change, which one of my strengths is adaptability, according to the was it Clifton's Strengths yeah. Finder. Yep. Great stuff. Uh, adaptability is one of my top five, along with responsibility. And so you, you can't have the same strategy all the time. You have to find ways to tailor it to each individual member and each individual leadership when that changes within that member. And sometimes leadership doesn't want that. They don't want the change. They don't, they, don't, they don't want, they don't care. They have their own mind made up. And I've learned that you just have to make that personal connection and sell yourself and build that trust and the rest will come with it. And so what's prepared for this next job is the same approach I'll take is uh, building trust, making great connections and helping to execute and communicate across our amazing state. Uh, it's not easy. Regional economic development is not easy. And in a state where there is no there's no strong or tangible incentive for cooperation amongst municipalities, especially if they don't share school districts. Because in South Dakota, for those of you that don't live in our state, uh, school districts are not bound to municipalities. They have their own set of rules and their own set of boundaries that are governed by themselves or the mm-hmm. state, uh, it's, it, it can be tough to get ready to work together. And so what we've done, and this is my predecessor's idea, I just took it and executed it and tweaked it a little bit, we do a monthly mayor's roundtable. We get all the mayors together, the ones that at least have the time during the day. They have lunch. It's just a brown bag lunch. And we talk and we connect and we build trust amongst each other. And one of the cool examples that have manifested themselves through this process is uh, significant, but I would say small. And it's a connection between two schools in Tri-Valley School District, sorry, two towns in the Tri-Valley School District, Colton and Crooks, that have not always seen eye to eye. Consolidation can do that. 
and they now bus kids from Crooks to Colton to use the pool. Yeah. And that might sound like nothing to some people, but for those of you that are from small towns in a consolidated districts, um, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge boundary that's been broken down. Yeah. And it's helped create friendships, hopefully, that will go in, go on into school. And it's helped uh, utilize resources better so that not every town needs a pool. Right. There's ways to get kids from one town to the other through just a shared bus system. And that's then being responsible with our taxpayer dollars to ensure that they're being used effectively because they are precious. And I love that example because taking it one step further and looking at the human factor of that, those are the same kids that are in the classroom together. Those are the same kids that are going to be playing sports together, even though they've got, you know, a different town on their address. They're all, they're doing everything together. And so in a lot of ways, I think that helps us move that needle forward on maybe some of those uh, old school rivalries, right. if you will, because we're starting it right then and there. That also helps us to take that approach and apply it to bigger things like water or wastewater or industrial parks or shared staff. Mm-hmm. And these are things that we can do efficiently and effectively by working together to ensure that our taxpayers' dollars are stretched to their maximum and that their wallets are protected. And part of economic development, it's an investment. It's a municipality's investment into their future. We are an investment. And we can't always communicate our return directly. Some of it's indirect. Uh, our goal is to communicate it directly. But that also goes back down to the, the, the partner to make sure they have the right metrics in place to help us track things. But regionalization, like our organization, is a approach to being efficient with dollars. And uh, we preach it all the time. I love that. Not easy, though. Not easy. <laughs> I don't think, uh, you know, based on your commentary, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to walk away from this conversation thinking it's easy. So one of mission these, accomplished. One of these years in the very distant future, we'll have to do uh, Growing Places After Dark, Uh-oh. which is our idea <laughs> of having this podcast at a bar uh, with a few uh, beverages and uh, telling some of the stories that... In 10 or 20 years, we can tell. <laughs> the, the horror stories. You know, maybe at that time, we can have our own, like, our own beer, our own brew. That would be a great idea. So That'd we'll just... Great. Looking at you, Homestead or Buffalo Ridge. Yeah. We'll just manifest that into the future. We'll just put that out into the ethers and let it marinate. Yep. If you have an idea, come to us. I like the it. The Growing Places Pale Ale. <laughs> maybe an Irish Red. We'll see. That sounds good, too. So we're clearly really excited for you in this next step, but before we kind of keep getting excited about that and maybe hearing just a small glimpse into maybe some ideas that you have or just things that you're excited about before we get there. Mm-hmm. I just want to pause a minute and your time here at the Sumatra Growth Alliance, about three and a half, not quite four years, somewhere right. in there. Yep. And there's a lot of change in the organization yep. under your direction, yep. a lot of expansion under your direction, a lot of growth for the organization, but also our community is, this is going to be a hard question. Mm-hmm. Is there any one project that just lights you up, that you are just super excited to talk about, proud that you worked on, that maybe it's because it challenged you the most, maybe it's because it had, you know, a really positive, unexpected impact, just something that kind of stands out in the memory books? Oh, yeah, that is challenging. And I've been part of this organization now for over seven years. I interned here, so I've been, I mean, Sue Metro's been part of my life for probably the better part of eight, eight and a half years. 
and there's been a lot of projects in that time frame, both as a board member and now as the president and CEO. And we are really focused on private investment. And during COVID, there was a ton of that. And most of our industrial parks are actually full. And if we would have had another 500 acres of land across the region, then also be full. If we would have had a million square feet of spec space across the region, it'd be full. Uh, but we didn't. Uh, <laughs> and so we, there's a lot of prospects that we, yeah. we just couldn't capture because you know the capacity to serve them. But business attraction is a lot of fun. It's, it's what gets it gets what gets me up. Uh, but to be effective in attracting businesses and talent to your community, you need to have a strong foundation first. And what does that foundation mean? Well, it can mean uh, ready sites, which would be shovel ready or build ready land, typically in an industrial zoned or designed area. Uh, it could mean uh, utility build out and capacity build out to attract bigger projects. I think there's this misconception that economic development is just about attracting businesses. Like, just get a business to come in, just do it. Why can't you just do it? Like, well, first of all, we can't control the private sector. That's called fascism, and we're not a fascist, you know, society. Uh, this is called Thanks the free enterprise. Thanks for clearing that. Thanks for uh, clarifying. We, we like free enterprise, <laughs> we like capitalism, and we like the private sector to dictate these things. But there's no but. I will say to add to that, the private sector also can follow public investment. So if you want to track something, you need to make sure that your approach is tailored to the businesses you want to come into your area. So if you want a huge retail presence – you need to have a daytime population and a large population and tons of traffic counts, of high traffic counts. If you don't have that, you're not going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. So we can help you design that approach and, and then execute it over 10 years, but it just can't happen. Same thing if you want to attract, let's say you want to attract a nuclear module or facility. Um, well, you need to be close to water. You need to have lots of land. You need to be far away from a uh, population center or at least you know, moderately far away. And uh, you need to be probably close to transmission lines or at least have the ability to build out transmission lines. It'd be unusual to have a municipality want to attract a modular facility, <laughs> but that came to mind because it's a conversation across the state right now. Uh, another project that you might want to attract is say it's a value-added ag processing facility. Well, value-added ag uh, goes one South Dakota because we are an ag mm-hmm. state, one of the best ag states in the country. And we want to make sure that we can keep our commodities here and add value to them and then sell them outside of our state to, to build wealth within our communities. So to do that, you need to have water and wastewater and power and gas. And so this is a long way to answer your question. But looking back at the last three and a half years, I think my favorite project that I've worked on is not, not done yet. Yeah. And it is our efforts to regionalize wastewater systems in both Lincoln and Minnehaha counties, uh, bringing Hartford, Colton, Crooks, and Lyons Township together in Minnehaha County, and then trying to do the same thing in Lincoln County along U.S. Highway 18, which is being expanded from two lanes to four lanes uh, for the communities of both Canton and Worthing. And so we have worked hard to acquire monies to put together feasibility studies and to position all those towns to hopefully be a recipient of somebody's grace, whether that be the state uh, Uncle Sam or a large prospect that can help add the tools to make a system possible. And wh- why does this matter? Well, it goes back to your targeted industries approach to economic development. Mm-hmm. If you want to have large projects, you need to have large utilities. So that's one. Another one I think is we've, we've, we've thought for years that there is a huge wastewater capacity issue in our region. And there, there's a challenging one. 
And mostly it goes down to just the quality of water in the Big Sioux and some of the limitations with discharge. But the bigger issue, long term, is water availability. Yeah. And until about 2020, maybe 2019, most people in our region felt that we were in a great spot for water. We found out, and we were probably not the first ones, but we're definitely one of the more vocal ones, that we're not in a good spot <laughs> for water uh, anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, they found this out 30 years ago, or they, they had a solution put in place to the Wilson-Clark Regional Water System that serves 20 members across southeastern South Dakota, southwestern Minnesota, and northwestern Iowa. I think that's the three. Yep. And uh, it's, it's building out. It's growing. It's expanding. But some of our communities did not fully understand the amount of growth you would experience over 25 years. And so now we're in a position where we need further expansion of that system or a new system. And so there's another one coming on that I'm an uh, incorporator on or I, and was a board member until just recently, which is called, called Dakota Main Stem, which hopefully will be the next chapter in regional water delivery. And uh, we've championed that cause. We see the value. Uh, and if we want our region to continue to grow, we need to have the resources like water to make it possible. So that's a long answer, but it, it goes down to just laying the framework for the next yeah. people to come in and be hopefully really successful. What I think is really cool about that response is those are, they're not super sexy things. They're not the, nope. those aren't really the things that you're probably going to write a whole bunch of press releases about or nope. see a whole bunch in the news. But it's that foundation to borrow right. your vocabulary. It's that foundation or that groundwork to those other yeah. projects that maybe are a little bit sexier to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all want a big billion dollar win. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say we all, I would love one. <laughs> um, or a $200 million win. And our approach has been let's find the low hanging fruit and pick them for our communities. This also then helps set them up, if they want us to, to be candidates for the big whales. Right. Most communities are not going to get a big whale, but they can get 10 small fish, which might have just enough impact or maybe even more impact yeah. than a big whale and be easier to prepare for. And so I tell people, you don't need the big win. You need a lot of small wins, and that will add up. Mm-hmm. And I think we did that in Hartford when I was there. We had a lot of small wins that then helped them prepare for big wins over mm-hmm. time. And that's having patience and having a long-term approach and strategy. And it will typically, if not always, pay off. So speaking of strategy, thinking of building trust, as you mentioned before, relationships, now stepping into deputy commissioner role, are there some things that you're excited about and maybe excited for the challenge of them or maybe some visions that you have We're not holding you to saying you're going to make these things happen, no. but we just kind of want to hear what's maybe circling around in your mind that you're excited to sink your teeth into. I am just excited to travel the state more and talk with the stakeholders in South Dakota and learn how I can be an asset, uh, but also really excited to help execute the vision for our state and the vision set by our governor and her administration for the future. And uh, that's it. That's my only, only agenda is to execute and execute well. That excites me. I, yeah. I love our state. I love, I love the Sioux Falls area. But I grew up in Millbridge, and I'm excited for a chance to get out more and hopefully see some of those communities along the James and the Missouri and west of the river. 
Uh, but of course, along I-29 as well, we have a very diverse state from rural to frontier and from the Black Hills to the Plains. And it's just going to be fun to get out there and, and make those connections and have some of those experiences and to always work towards ensuring that our state is the best place to live, work, and raise a family. I like it. So as we start to wrap up the conversation, I trust that when we get the opportunity to have you back in, you're going to have a lot more hidden gems across the entire state oh, to talk about based on your travels. already. I know. Well, we're going to keep it to the Sioux Metro okay. region. Yep. Your favorite hidden gem. Favorite hidden gem. Now, typically, we've asked folks to not talk about their hometown, which is, for <laughs> me, Hartford. Which of course, would be Buffalo Ridge Brewing, the Hartford Steakhouse, and the South Bar. Um, and, and the golf course. We call that the Full Hartford. Uh, breakfast at my place on the Blackstone. Golf uh, in, in the morning, followed by lunch and a beer at the brewery. Uh, maybe a nap. And then sit with the steakhouse, <laughs> capped out by a uh, karaoke at the South Bar. All so, right. Everybody will be at your house at 9 a.m. Oh, on Saturday. That's a great, <laughs> the full heart for, we do it maybe once a year. Love that day. One of my favorite days. But across the rest of the region, there are so many great spots from Goodor State Park to Newton Hills to the Palisades. Uh, I used to love going to Garrettson to go to Chef O's uh, when Omar was still open there. Uh, amazing, amazing food there. Sioux Valley Grill in Canton uh, it has, has a mean buffet. Probably the best, probably the best, uh, I would say, salad bar in Lincoln County is at the Sioux Valley Grill. Most of the hidden gems are no longer hidden because I think we've done a good job of exposing yeah. them through this podcast. Yeah. And I'm really struggling to find <laughs> some hidden ones. Uh, maybe a few that come to mind. One. You've name dropped so many. <laughs> Buffalo Trading Post, which is off of the U.S. Highway. Is it 19? I think it's 19 that goes from Humboldt to. No, it's not that go to 19 that goes from Humboldt to Madison. It's pretty close to the Lake uh, Lake County Minneapolis County border, and it's going to be changed ownership in the last month. Uh, Big J, Justin Kellison, who owns the South Bar in Hartford, and Big Jason Humboldt in Harrisburg, uh, will be taking over that spot. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with it. It's it's pretty much just a house. And you walk in, and it's pretty, you, you feels like you're having a home-cooked meal. Okay. Great spot. Sometimes you see some pets in there, too, <laughs> which is now bougie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> versus backwards. That's what you do, yeah. So uh, that's a great spot. I would say that's a hidden gem because it's really uh, off the beaten path unless you're going from uh, to Madison. That one comes to mind. There's a great little vineyard for South Dakota called Tucker's Walk in between Garrison and Brandon that I've really enjoyed visiting when I've had time. And the couple that owns it or owned it, I think they might have transferred ownership. I can't recall exactly. Worked at Eros for much of their career. And it's cool to see the impact of these projects that have decades of impact. Uh, these folks opened an, a great winery. They have a decent wine. I'm more of a, a Cabernet type of guy, but they have a Marquette that's really good uh, from Tucker's Walk that I enjoy. And I have to give a shout out to probably one of my favorite coffee shops, which is The Seed in Centerville. Special spot, uh, great food, good coffee, and they they actually are um, really good people. That, of course, the story, uh, we've told it before, but they were, they were started by a church that gave them the money to help, you know, get this business up and going debt-free. And so I had COVID in November 2020. Lost my smell and taste for like six, maybe nine months, probably closer to a year of, 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 of loss, but a strong six months of nothing. And these folks, I told them that. I said, hey, I 
you can give me whatever you want. I need some dark coffee. I can't taste it, but I just like the, like the thought. <laughs> and so they prayed for me. They prayed for my smell and taste to come back. And wow. Well, it didn't happen immediately. It did happen eventually. And while I, I can't say that, uh, that it was, you know, that prayer that did it, it was probably many prayers, including my own. But it's the thought, and, yeah. it's the, and it's the community of these places, all these hidden gems that makes our region such a great place yeah. to visit and travel that it's hard to pick just one because they all really care for their customers. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Jesse, this is might be one of the easiest podcasts I've had to moderate or navigate because you just go. You just have so many thoughts. Too many. Um, I, no, I never said too many. I just oh, said so many. I can. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I think I think we covered pretty much everything under the sun. Is there anything There's you know as you kind of exit? Think. I'll take I'll take um, a point of privilege here as the president yeah. and CEO for a lot, for one more week. Well, I served it up to you on a silver you did. platter. You did so. uh, great. I just want to thank the staff. I mean, you, Miranda, you've been in this job now for. What is it? February, seven months, six months, seven months, mm-hmm. and in that period, I've been transitioning out of this job pretty much since June. And uh, you've done an excellent job of taking things and owning Thank them, you. which is why we hired you the first place because we saw that passion, saw that you could do that, and that when you take something on, you do own it. Thank you. Not everybody does it in the workforce, right? They just, they just, some folks just punch a clock, and you are not a clock puncher. Thank you. And that for me is a huge compliment. So thank you for uh, for doing this, and I, I see a bright future for you ahead at C-Metro, and this organization will thrive because of you and your dedication and passion and vision for your department uh, engagement. Uh, but our staff here are just great all around. Lisa, Sheldon, Ryan, our interns, Molly and Lauren, both Augustana students. We've been really fortunate to have great people, and but also great predecessors from Nick Fosheim, Erica Beck, Jeff Eckhoff, Tom Casera. We've had a great a great foundation to build the Sumetro upon. But it won't be possible, one, without our staff, but two, without the willingness of our partners. Our 16 municipalities, our four counties, and our utility companies have all supported this vision for regional economic development and growth and took a huge chance on this new structure when we launched it in spring of 2021, uh, two years ago. And mm-hmm. since then, we've taken a, a one-person team, made it a five-person team. We took a two-county organization and made it a four-county organization. We, we grew into our own office space and developed strong partnerships with organizations like South Dakota Development Corporation, a, an amazing uh, certified development corporation, a CDC, uh, 504 lender, great group, amazing people, big fan. And uh, the point of all this is that it takes great relationships, good partnerships to make this all work. And I don't always get it right. And sometimes I uh, forget to open the shade on some of the flowers in our garden. But <laughs> I didn't know you were a gardener. I'm not because <laughs> I would kill the flowers or anything else. I hate weeding. But it's just been a huge honor to serve. And it was a tough decision to make to, to take this next opportunity because I feel like there's about two, maybe three things I still want to accomplish at Sumatro. But the next person mm-hmm. can either pursue them or not. And I feel like we've left the organization in a better place than we found it. Which, if you recall up the podcast in the end, we always end things asking you to leave things better than the way you found them. And I think we can say that here. I like it. I like it. Well, Jesse, we will be cheering you on. We'll be tapping you on the shoulder. We consider you just a lifetime friend now. You know, you're not you're am not I, going away. Am I a friend of SMGA? 
I'd like to say so. <laughs> I mean, I won't speak on behalf of our board of directors, but <laughs> I mean, I'm going to throw it out there. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. So as you kind of walk into your next season, we will be tracking your downloads of our podcast to make sure, you know, you're still on our podcast. You're still on our emails. You're not not going too far. And I'm sure we'll certainly see you around. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Growing Places. We hope you tune in again next time for another story about the people, places, and businesses that make the Sioux Metro the place to call home. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Growing Places. Visit us online at SueMetro.com and follow us on social media at Sue Metro. And always leave things better than the way you found them. <laughs>